thank you for joining us this morning. I hope you have had a good week, and I'm glad you can be here with us today. Before we get started in the services, I wanted to give everybody an update as to when we may start back. We uh, have talked about it, myself and the deacons. Uh, we have decided to wait just a few more weeks. We are trying to be cautious. I know there are different opinions as to uh, how soon things need to get back going and not, but we decided that uh, to be a little more cautious would be uh, the best best thing for us at the moment. So we have decided to wait just a few more weeks and uh, hopefully uh, sometime around the beginning of July, uh, unless things get worse, we will get back started. We have talked about some uh, things that we can do and implement when we get back, hopefully to maybe be a little safer going forward. I know there's still a lot of people who aren't comfortable in big crowds or maybe being shut up in a room with other people. And uh, so we're aware that uh, not everybody's quite ready to, to get back started. We're also aware that uh, some of you are itching to go. I understand I'm, I'm ready for us to get back too. Uh, I'm ready for things to get back to normal. Uh, but we decided it would better be better to wait just a few more weeks uh, rather than to rush into something uh, and people to feel uncomfortable. Uh, and so we will be uh, waiting at least till July before we start back uh, gathering for services. So uh, do continue to be in prayer for uh, this situation. As it's tough, it's something none of us has ever been through before, and uh, we try to do the best we can. And so pray that God will continue to uh, help us all get through this uh, tough time. Uh, another announcement is uh, that we are canceling the revival in July. Our revival was set to kick off uh, toward the end of July. There was going to be a week of cottage prayer meeting before that. After some discussion, uh, we have decided that we don't believe that uh, a lot of people would want to come. Even at that point uh, in the middle of July, we feel like that there's still going to be a lot of people uh, perhaps that won't be comfortable getting out and going to people's home for cottage prayer meeting or coming to church uh, and we had several pastors who were coming, uh, lots of different pastors, and so uh, we need time to let everybody know that we have canceled that. And so uh, the revival that was scheduled for July uh, has been canceled, and uh, it's a tough thing, and uh, it's not anything I don't think anybody wanted to do, uh, but under the circumstances, it's what uh, we felt like would be best at this time. So uh, please get the word out to anybody you see. Uh, let them know that that is indeed the case. Uh, I miss you guys. I'm here for you. You call me anytime. Even though uh, we don't get to meet at church, you can you can come up here. I'm at the church just about every day working on something, whether it's a video or a one-minute message, whatever it may be. I'm here a lot. If you got anything going on, you need to talk, you just want to come stand outside and visit, we can, uh, we can do that. And so uh, just know that I'm here for you. And uh, if you need me, uh, please don't hesitate to call or, or come knock on the door of the church, and I'll be glad to see you, that's for sure. Well, we're going to get services kicked off this morning, uh, so just sit back and enjoy this worship service, uh, and whenever the worship service is done, I'll see you back here in just a few minutes.
Colossians chapter 3 this morning, Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 15. This is a, a great passage. We're just going to uh, take some time and go through a verse or two at a time. So we'll pray and then we'll read the text and we'll jump in and see what God's word may have to say to us today. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning and I pray that you be with us in this time that we read your word. Dear Lord, we need your words in our life. We need to learn from them. We need to grow from them. We need to do what they say, dear Lord, and I pray, God, that you would help us to do that today as we read through and see what you speak to us. I pray that you just would uh, be with our country, with all that's going on, dear Lord. I pray that you would help us to be a country that's uh, united, a, a country of people that, that loves and follows you, dear Lord. I pray that you would just help this coronavirus stuff to get cleared up, dear Lord. I don't even know what to make of it. There are so many mixed reports, but dear Lord, just I pray that you help things to get back on track and get back to normal in that way. Uh, and just be with us, God, because we need you. And I pray that you just would bless this few minutes that we uh, have to look at your word this morning. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. All right, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. So if you have been raised with the Messiah, seek what is above, where the Messiah is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on what is above, not on what is on earth. Now, Paul is writing this letter here to people who are Christians. And in this passage we're talking about, he's talking to Christians and he's reminding them that they are in Jesus Christ. Therefore, he says, set your sights on what is above. Don't focus on what is on this earth. Don't focus on what you see. Don't let your desires be the things of this world. Now, this is a good reminder for you and I because we do tend to focus on what's in front of us at the time. What, what can we see right now? What's going on in our life right now? We focus on things that we're seeing right in front of us today. Uh, we focus on things that maybe we did yesterday or things that, that happened years ago. There are things that we focus on, and they're all worldly things often. There are other times that we focus on the future of what will happen in this world. What's going to happen uh, next week in my job? What's going to happen next week at school? What's going to happen ne next week with this uh, decision that I'm trying to make? Whatever it may be, our focus oftentimes is on the past, the present, or the future, but, but in things of this world, in, in, in our worldly situations. We think about our jobs, our our, our, our financial situations, we think about our families, we think about all of these things that are worldly things. And not all of those things are bad things. Those are things that we do need to think about. Those are things that we do have to be aware of. Of course, we have to work to be able to provide. Of course, we have to take care of our families. Of course, we want to uh, be aware of things that are going on with our schoolwork or our, our church life or whatever it may be. There are things in this world that we do need to be aware of and we need to look at and consider, uh, but those things should not be what, what, what really uh, gets all of our focus, that what we pour all of our attention into, what, what, we, what we're so focused on these things that we miss the big picture, that we miss the better picture. And Paul says here, look, 
don't forget that you have been raised with the Messiah. That is, don't forget that you are a Christian. Don't forget that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Don't forget that he sits at the right hand of God, that he is watching over everything that happens in this world, that Jesus is greater than everything in this world, even the good things in this world. Some of the things I mentioned were good things, our family, our friend, our churches, our jobs. Those are all things, in some instances at least, those should be good things, things that we enjoy that are good for us. But even in the good things, Jesus is greater than the good. Jesus is above all that we see here on this earth. And Paul says, look, don't forget that. Focus on Jesus. Focus on what is above. Focus on the fact that you are a child of God, that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And we have to do that because he is better than anything in this world. If our focus is only on the things of this world, over time we are going to be disappointed. We are going to get depressed. We are going to feel overwhelmed because that's what this world offers. I mean, that's just part of it. It's a sinful world. And even people that we love sometimes hurt us. Even, even our jobs sometimes can be stressful. Our church life sometimes can be stressful. There can be chaos. There can be things going on in our life, around our life. There could be things in our past. There could be things in our present. There could be things in our future. But all of those things uh, have, have sin kind of interwoven into them. And it, and it makes things that should be good and should have been good in this world, it, it makes them be worse than they should have been once sin has entered into the picture. And sin has entered into the picture. So this world is kind of tainted, and all the things we do, uh, as good as some of them may be, this world is tainted by sin. But Paul says, look, don't, don't focus on this world. Don't let your focus be on things that you see here and now, on things that may or may not be in the future, but focus on Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to do too. This is not just true for the Colossians. You and I, who are in Jesus Christ, need to put our focus on Jesus Christ. We need to focus on what is above what we see and have in front of us here today. Because oftentimes what we see in our life is not a good thing. Sometimes it is. There are times where life is good. There are other times where life is bad. But in all things, good things and bad things, in easy times and hard times, let our focus be above this world because Jesus is greater than the world and anything the world has to offer. Let's read a little further in verse 3. For you have died, and your life is hidden with the Messiah and God. When the Messiah, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Now, that's an interesting phrase there that Paul goes on to explain a little better to us in the verses to come. In verse 3 he says, for you have died, and your life is in the Messiah. Now, obviously, when he says we've died, if we've followed Jesus Christ and we put our faith in him, he doesn't mean that we've lost our breath and that our body is no longer living. Obviously, that's not the case. We see Christians walking around all over the place. When he says that we have died, he means that we have died to ourselves. He means that we say, okay, Lord Jesus, you are my life now. You are who I live for. You are who I listen to. You are who I desire to do what you want me to do, not what I desire to do. When we say, uh, when Paul says we have died, he means that we have died to ourselves. That that our desires are no longer what's most important to us, but it is the desires of Jesus Christ that we seek to follow because we want to serve Him and we want to be 
obedient to him. And he says, for you have died and your life is hidden with the Messiah and God. Now, where is your life today? Where is your life today? Even for Christians sometimes, we have to be careful because there are things of this world that can become our life. The things that I mentioned earlier, things that are not always bad things, but things that can become our life and can become things that we uh, think define us or maybe others use to define us, like our jobs. Now, jobs are a good thing. There's nothing wrong with working. We should work. That's a, what, what God wants us to do. Uh, but we can be overwhelmed by our job, and our job be, can become our life. We can be so consumed with our job that we want that higher position at our job that we want to work harder, that we want people to recognize our greatness because of how fast we're moving up the ranks in our job. And that becomes our life. That becomes our focus. That becomes what's most important to us. That's what we desire is what can I do to do better at my job or my work? And oftentimes when we do that, we sacrifice relationships with our families, with our wives, with our husbands, with our children. And more importantly, we sacrifice our relationship with God because oftentimes we begin to focus so much on something like our jobs that it becomes our life. And our life is not to live for the Lord. Our life is to live for our job. Perhaps it's a hobby. Perhaps it's something we're good at, something we like to do. Well, there are lots of things that we're good at that we like to do. Perhaps it's it's fishing, perhaps it's playing video games, perhaps it's sewing, perhaps it's flowering, whatever it may be. There are a thousand hobbies out there, and we all have hobbies that we like, but sometimes those things can become our life. That's all we think about. That's all we want to do. That's all we focus on. That's our desire. Now, none of those things that I just said are bad things. Those can be bad things if we allow them to become our life, but they're not bad things for us to have hobbies or things we like to do. Praise the Lord that we have those things. But too many times, good things become things that rule in our life. They become the focus in our life. They become the main part of our life. And we're defined by and we're known by, maybe to ourselves and maybe to others, by that thing that has become our life. But Paul says here, look, you have died. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have died in Christ, and your life is hidden with the Messiah. That should be what our, uh, how we are known. When we come to Jesus Christ, our life uh, should not be, hey, this is what defines the person, how good they are at their work, or how good they are at this, or how good they are at that. That's not what defines us. When we come to Jesus Christ, the defining thing in our life is Jesus Christ because our life is no longer in the things that are around us, even the good things. Our jobs, our families, our, 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 our churches, whatever it may be that are good things that we're involved in. Should we love our family and our children? Absolutely we should, but that's not our life. Our life is not our family and our children. Our life is not our job. Our life is not our church. Our life is in Jesus Christ. Now, all of those things I just mentioned are good things, but that's not what defines us. That's not who gives us life. That's not who makes us what we are. None of those things do, but only in Jesus Christ do we have life. 
And so when we come to Jesus Christ, we say, Jesus, all other things are not as important as you. Jesus, you are above all things. And everything else, Lord Jesus, has to come under you. Even the good things. Jesus needs to come first in our life. Absolutely, Jesus needs to be above all. That's what Paul says at the very beginning. Jesus is above all. He is our life. And we need to be reminded of that today. If there's anything that you're using in your life that that, that has become your life, anything that you're doing, anything that you think defines you of this world, then you need to know that your life is not defined by this world or the things you do in this world. It's defined by Jesus Christ who is above all in this world. Let's read a little further. Verse 5. Therefore put to death what belongs to your worldly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath comes on the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now you must also put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old self with its practices. Now, this language is similar to a verse I quoted a week or two ago. He goes off to list a bunch of sins. He says, at the beginning, you're in Christ, he is above all, he is your life. That's, that's who defines you. You are defined as a child of God, as a follower of Jesus Christ. Therefore, he says in verse 5, since you are in Jesus Christ and he is your life, therefore, put away these worldly things. Stop doing the things that used to be enticing to you, that you used to desire. Now that you're in Jesus Christ, you must put away these things. Now, he lists a bunch of different sinful things here, but he says in verse 7, and you once walked in these things, when you were living in them. Now, when we live for the world, when we are not in Jesus Christ, when we are simply in the world and living for the world, these are the types of things that we do, all the things that he mentioned there. And he says, you once walked in these things. You once did this. That's what he said to the Corinthians. You used to be this way, but now you're in Jesus Christ. And if we are in Jesus Christ, then our life should change. Our desire should change. Our attitudes should change. Are there going to be days that there are those temptations to do? Maybe some of these things mentioned? Yes, there are going to be those days. But now we can be victorious over those sins that we are tempted to do through Jesus Christ. We don't have to give in to those things. We should not desire to do those things. There may be times that we do give in. There may be times that we fail, that we fall. Those times come. But our heart should not desire to do those things. It should not desire to be on the things that are sinful. You used to walk in these things, Paul said, but not anymore. Now that you're in Jesus Christ, therefore, turn from these things. Repent of these things. Don't walk in these ways anymore. He goes on to say a few more. He said in verse 8, but you must also uh, put away all the following. Then he lists some more things. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Now, these are all things that we struggle with. You read this list, there are going to be multiple things in these few verses I just read that each and every one of us struggle with. Even Christians, these things come, we have to fight against them. 
because there's this war, as Paul would say, raging inside of us. There are times that we are tempted to do things and we and we don't want to do them, but then there's the worldly part of us that wants to do them, but that Holy Spirit in us, when the Holy Spirit is in us, he, he gives us this conviction that we know it's wrong, that even though there may be something we really, in our worldly sense, want to do, we just can't bring ourselves to do it because the Holy Spirit is within us, and there's this war that's being raged. Apart from Jesus Christ, without the Holy Spirit, we don't have those convictions. But when we come to Jesus Christ, we are to turn from those things. We are to fight against those things, and we can overcome those things through Jesus Christ. Now, there may be some things that Paul mentioned in these verses, in verses six through, uh, excuse me, five through nine here. That we may need to, you may want to take a second and, 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 and pause and look at those and say, okay, are any of these things in my life? Because if I'm in Jesus Christ, these things should not be in my life. They should not be part of my life. And if we do see them as part of our life, then we need to repent and say, God, all right, I don't want to do this. Sometimes I give in, sometimes I do it, but God, help me not to. God, forgive me and God, give me the strength to not do these things anymore. And God will. He will help you do that because you're His. You have the power to overcome those things through Jesus Christ. Let's read a little further. Verse 10. And have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your Creator. Now that's kind of a follow-up from verse 9. He says you've put off your old self. you put off the old ways. And you've put on the new ways. You've put on a new self. You've put on a new identity that is in Jesus Christ. It's, it's just like if you were to uh, take off a jacket and put on another jacket. Uh, you, you take off one thing, you, you come home and your jacket's dirty, you've been working all day, it's, it's nasty, it's filthy, and you take that off and you put a clean one on so that you can uh, get away from all of that fit. That's what it's like when we put on Jesus Christ. It's like we're taking off an old dirty pair of clothes that's been worn and, and tattered from us working all day and it's just nasty and ripped and torn and sweaty and, and you want to get out of that nasty stuff, right? You can't wait to get that nasty off and, and get cleaned up and put something fresh on. That's a great feeling. Well, that's what Paul is talking about here. He says, look, you put off your old self. You take off your old self, all the sinfulness and nastiness and dirtiness that leaves you torn and stinky and sticky and dirty and nasty, spiritually speaking, Paul says you take off all of those things. Take off those things and put on Jesus Christ, who is fresh, who is new, who is clean, who is pure. That's what Paul is calling us to do. Take off the old self, get away from our sin, and put on Jesus Christ and be identified in him, not in the things that we used to be identified in. And he says you are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your Creator. You are being renewed. When we come to Jesus Christ and put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are in the process of being renewed. It's a process that I believe takes our whole earthly life as long as we walk with the Lord. When we begin to walk with Jesus and put our faith in Him, God begins to renew our life. And He continues to renew our life. And if you are a Christian today, you are being renewed still because there are still those sins that we sometimes give into, those temptations that we, in a weak moment, we fail in. Those times still come. Praise the Lord for grace and forgiveness. That's not an excuse 
for us to say, let me sin all the more. Uh, but, but, but praise the Lord that God knows that we are uh, still in the process of being renewed. He's still renewing us. And that's what Paul says here. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. So we are uh, being made more and more each day that we walk with Jesus Christ and seek to follow him. We should be looking a little more like him over time. We should be walking more like he walks and loving more like he loves and treating people more like he treated people. As we grow in the Lord, we should look more like the Lord. People should see that in our life, that we that there is something different. And the Bible says that you'll know a tree by its fruit. If a tree is producing bad fruit, then guess what? It's a bad tree. If you see somebody, a tree, producing good fruit, then guess what? You know it's a good tree. Now, if we're in Jesus Christ, we're a good tree. And we should be producing good fruit, uh, the fruit that comes through the things that he calls us to do. And we should be looking more and more like him as we continue to grow in him. Let's read a little further. Verse 11. In Christ there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, God's chosen ones, holy and loved, put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, accepting one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. Now, this is a beautiful thing. He goes on to say, in verse 11, kind of shifting gears a little bit here, he goes on to say, look, no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what country you're from, no matter what color your skin may be, no matter if you're rich, no matter if you're poor, no matter if you're sick, no matter if you're well, if you are in Christ, you are all in Christ together. You are all the same in Jesus Christ. There is no different. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, he uses the example here, circumcised, uncircumcised. That's not a big a problem in our culture today. That's not something we worry about. But for the Jewish people, that was a big deal. Uh, there was a big difference between the Greeks of the day and the Jews of the day that he points here. That was a big deal. Uh, he points out a barbarian here. It, it doesn't matter who you are. He says, slave or free. It doesn't matter. If you are in Christ, you are in Christ. That's, that's it. You are all the same in Christ. There is no distinction. God doesn't uh, choose favorites. He chooses those who choose him. Those of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are God's children. And that's it. There's no distinction between that. There's no difference between uh, any of us who are in Jesus Christ. And he goes and he makes this point and he says, look, all who are in Christ are in Christ. That's it. You're all equal in Christ. You are all God's children. There's no distinction. So don't think that you're above somebody or below somebody. If you're in Christ, you are all equal in Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say, therefore, since you are all equal in verse 12, therefore, God's chosen ones, chosen ones holy and loved, put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience accepting one another and forgiving one another. Now, he tells us the things that we need to take off and do away with in the previous verses that we looked at. We need to put on Jesus Christ. We need to realize that once we are in Jesus Christ, that all others who are in Jesus Christ are the same as we are. There's no distinction in Jesus Christ because Christ's blood has been sufficient to save all who would come to him. 
And therefore, for all of us who are in Jesus Christ, no matter what walk of life we come from or what our uh, situation may be, if we're in Jesus Christ, therefore, God's chosen, one, chosen ones, holy and loved, put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Here's the new way we are to live. When we take off our sinful way and we put on Christ, this is what it should look like in our life. Do we do these things? Do we have these things? Do we have heartfelt compassion? Do we have kindness? Do we have humility? Do we have gentleness and patience? Well, if we don't, we need to pray that God would help us to have these things. This is what a new life in Christ is. This is who we are to be. This is what our life is to look like. From the moment that we come to Jesus Christ, these are the fruits that should be produced in our life. And if we see that some of these aren't being produced, then we need to say, okay, God, I'm struggling in this area. I don't, I don't, I don't excel in this way like I desire to, but God, help me to do that. And God will help us to be able to do that. This is what God calls you to. Brother and sister in Christ who are watching today, this is what God calls us to. Now, these things are not easy. That was last week's sermon. If you didn't catch that, you can go back and watch it. The things that God calls us to are not easy. But this is the life that God calls us to live. This is the life that Jesus has lived. This is the example that we are to follow. Even if it's hard, this is what God calls us to. And so we need to say, all right, God, I don't have enough patience in my life. There are times when I should have been kind that I wasn't kind to people. There are times that I should have been humble that I was proud. There are times that I should have had compassion on somebody and I passed them by. I mean, there are lots of things in our life that we fail at. There are things that if we look, we realize, okay, maybe I'm not living in the way that I should in this area and praise the Lord. If we see that, let us change and desire and seek God uh, so he can give us the strength to live the way that he wants us to live in these areas. After that, in verse 13, he says, accepting one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another. Now, this is the tough one right here. We are to accept one another and we are to forgive one another. Now, forgiveness is a hard thing, but this is what God calls us to do. This is what Jesus did for us. This is what Jesus did to those who knelt him to the cross right before he died, when he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is one of the hardest things that we have to do as Christians, is to forgive people. Yet Paul says here, accepting one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Now that's hard when people have really done wrong thing to us. It's hard to do. But this is what God calls us to do. And this is how we begin to see uh, our life be at peace. This is how we begin to see love produced in our life. This is how we begin to see relationships changed in our life. When we love people and forgive people, man, we begin to see changes happen in our life. That's the way that our world is going to change. All the things that we see in our world, all over the world, we see conflicts, we see evil things taking place, and there is no amount of, of, of politicians or people in charge or no amount of money or none of those things that are going to change our world. 
Let me say that again. There is no amount of money. There are no. There's no amount of politicians. There's no amount of kings. There's no amount of dictators. There's no political system that is going to change our world. The only thing that will change our world is Jesus Christ. The only thing that will change our world is love. I have been saying that for years. You guys probably get tired of me saying that. I say it all the time. That seems to be a recurring theme, but God just continues to uh, bring this to my mind and put this on my heart, and I think, boy, this is just the message we need to hear. This is the message that we need to hear, that love is what will change our world. And that starts with forgiveness. Just as it says here, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Have people done great wrongs to you and great evils? Yeah, maybe so. I think oftentimes we don't want to forgive because we feel like if we forgive what somebody has done to us in the past, that somehow that lets them off the hook, that somehow it's okay. If we forgive and we don't hold that grudge, then somehow they've won or somehow they've gotten away with the evil that they have done. And we, and we hold on to these grudges and we don't forgive people for that reason. But that's not what forgiveness does at all. They're not, they're not being freed of anything. All of us will stand before the Lord. If they repent of what they've sinned and, and the way they've sinned, God will forgive them. If they don't, then God will deal with that. God will take care with that. Nobody is getting off the hook for anything, you and I included. No one is getting off the hook. When we forgive people, that's what God calls us to do. If we've sinned and we ask for forgiveness, God is faithful to forgive. If we ask from our heart, because our sin has been covered. Our sins have not been gotten away with. All of our sins have been covered. The price has been paid in Jesus Christ. And for those who don't put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, well, one day, those will stand before the Lord. And their sins, too, will not go unpunished. Just as our sins have not gone unpunished. Jesus Christ took the punishment that we deserved so that we could be forgiven. And if Jesus Christ has forgiven us when we did not deserve it, then how can we not forgive others? We need to forgive people. We need to forgive people in our life who have done us wrong because when we don't, we harbor up all these feelings of hatred and anger that Paul talked about in these verses prior. And boy, it ruins our life. This saying is said quite often about forgiveness, but I'll say it because it's true. Uh, not forgiving someone is like is like drinking poison and expecting is like you drinking poison and expecting them to die. That's what unforgiveness is. If you drink poison, it's not going to kill anybody else. It's going to kill you. And that's what lack of forgiveness does. The grudges that we hold on to, the hatred that we hold on to, the anger that we hold on to. Doesn't destroy the other person, it destroys us. And so we need to get rid of those things because that's when restoration begins in our life. When restoration began in your life, it began the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And you were restored. Why? Because you were forgiven. If you want to restore relationships with people in your life, if relationships in this world are going to be restored and our world is going to be restored, it's going to come through forgiveness. It's going to come through Jesus Christ because that's the only place that restoration comes from. It's through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. 
And Paul tells the people here, look, here's what you do. If you are in Christ, if you have put on Christ, live in this way. What way? Well, do these things he says. Kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, patience, uh, all, all of these things, these fruits of the Spirit uh, that are mentioned to us in Galatians, these are the things that we do. And part of that is forgiving other people as God has forgiven us. And then what? What happens after forgiveness? Well, he tells us what happens in verse 14. Above all, put on love the perfect bond of unity. Now, first he tells them that they are to forgive one another, and then he tells them to love one another. Why should they love one another? Because it's the perfect bond of unity. The perfect. There is no better bond of unity. There is no other way to be unified. If you want unity in your life with people that you may be struggling with, if we want unity in our world, unity comes only through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. It is that clear. It is that simple. Unity comes only in Jesus Christ. First comes forgiveness that we receive through Jesus Christ. We forgive others in Jesus Christ. Above all, put on love that comes after forgiveness. That's what uh, part of the process we forgive, we love, and through our forgiveness and through our love comes perfect unity in Jesus Christ. And then what? Verse 15. And let the peace of the Messiah, to which you were also called in one body, control your hearts. Be thankful. What happens next? The peace of the Messiah is in our life. The peace of our Messiah controls our hearts. Is that not what we want today? Is that not what we long for? I long for peace. I long for unity. I long for, for all of these things. I long for them on this world, in this world. I know we're going to get them in the life to come. I know we're going to get them when we're with the Lord for all of eternity. I know those things are going to come, but I believe these things can come in some part in this world. And Paul gives us the instructions. Okay, what do we need to do? How do we need to live? One, we need to forgive because we have been forgiven. Two, we need to love above all else. And when we do that, that brings unity in Jesus Christ. And when we are forgiving and loving and united in Jesus Christ, you know what comes after that? And let the peace of the Messiah. The peace of the Messiah is what comes after that. The peace that comes through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Jesus tells his disciples in John 14, 27, I bring you peace. I don't give to you as the world gives. Don't be fearful, don't be afraid, but trust in my peace. Live in my peace. If we want peace in our life, it comes by following the instructions that Paul gives us in Colossians 3. We first find peace by coming to Jesus Christ. Now maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ today. Maybe you've never been forgiven. I want to tell you that he'll forgive you today if you come to him and say, Lord Jesus, I trust you and I follow you and I want to put off my old way and I want to live in you and I want you to be my life. And when you say that, he'll come and he'll be your Lord and Savior. And when you've been forgiven, you are restored. And when you are restored, now you go and you forgive those who have sinned against you. 
and you tell them the good news about Jesus Christ. And when you begin to forgive others and let go of those grudges and the hatred and the anger that you may feel, as soon as you begin to forgive others, guess what? Your heart begins to change because you have been forgiven. You're restored. You begin to forgive others. Other relationships are restored. And once we begin to forgive others, once we have been forgiven and we are restored, then we begin to love people the way that we never thought we could. Once we forgive people and let go of grudges, we love people in a way that we never thought was possible. We love people like Jesus loves people. And then once we begin to love people like that, unity uh, begins to take place in our lives, in our families, in our churches, in our country, in our world. That unity begins to take place, and it comes through forgiveness, it comes through love, it comes through Jesus Christ, who is the one who unites us all in these things. And the result is peace. It's peace in your personal life. It's peace in your heart. It's peace in your family. It's peace in your church. It's peace in your community. It's peace in your state. It's peace in your country, and it's peace in our world. Now, I know we're never going to have perfect peace in this world, but I believe that there could be a lot more love, a lot more forgiveness, a lot more unity, and a lot more peace than maybe sometimes we experience. And part of the problem may be because we're not doing what Paul says. Because we've put on Christ, but we're going back to our sinful ways. Well, we can't have that. Paul says if you've put on Christ, you put off those things. You turn from those things and you live like Jesus lives. Like he calls you to live. Like the example that he gave you. That's what Paul calls us to. Maybe you got turmoil in your life and hard times. Well, I want to tell you that peace comes only through Jesus Christ. If you've been forgiven by Jesus Christ, then you need to forgive others. If you've not been forgiven by Jesus Christ, then I want you to come to Him today. He wants to be your Lord. He wants to be your Savior. He wants to forgive you. He wants to take your sins. He wants to be gracious to you. And He wants to give you peace. And when we've experienced that peace and that grace and that forgiveness that comes through Him, then let us love others. Let us forgive others. And when we forgive those who probably don't deserve to be forgiven, and neither did you and I, then we begin to love people in a different way when we begin to let go of our grudges. And when we begin to do that, we begin to unite with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. We begin to love one another in a way that only can come from God. And we're united and we find the peace of the Lord. That's what we all want in our life is the peace. And it's the peace that only comes through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. I thank you for these good words. And I pray that we live by them. I pray, God, that if there are any who haven't put off their old self and turned from their old ways, that they would do it today. God, that they would repent of their sin, that they would recognize that they are a sinner uh, in need of a Savior. And I pray that they would turn to Jesus Christ, knowing that he is the only Savior who can forgive them. 
God, I pray for, for any who have already made that decision and are following Jesus Christ that we realize that our life is in Christ, that our uh, life is defined by Christ. Our life is not in anything in this world and help us to look above this world to Jesus who is greater than everything in this world. And God, I pray that we wouldn't live for the world, but we would live in the way that Paul calls us to in the way that Jesus called us to in the example that he gave us, dear Lord, that we would live our life in such a way, even when it's hard, that we would do the things you call us to. God, I pray that you would help us to forgive others as we are forgiven. I pray that you would help us to love others as you love us. And I pray that you help us to be united with one another, dear Lord, in you, because we are all one in Jesus Christ if we have put our faith in Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that you would just help us to find peace in Jesus, that we live for you, that we love like you, and that we find peace in you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. To learn more about Jesus, call or text Pastor Shan at 601-657-0180 or email him at shanvn at me.com. You can also visit us at www.enterprisebaptist.church or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ebcliberty. We hope that you have been blessed by today's service.